Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Peter, all the stuff that you're saying about hell and sin necessarily being temporary, um, I agree with very much. And that's the direction my thoughts have taken uh, the more I've thought about universalism. Um, ordinarily, the debate gets framed in terms of uh, God's will versus man's will. And, it, you know, in those simplistic terms, um, there, there seems uh, room for um, a, a potential stalemate between the two. But um, like David Bentley Hart, I instead ask uh, not not what uh, man's will is capable of, but what what is the will aimed at? And um, I've long thought about uh, something called the euthyphro problem, which is basically um, whether um, the good is good because God loves it, or does God love what is good just because it's good? Um, and the answer that has come to me is, again, similar to David Bentley Hart, um, although I'm not sure I've seen him work it out to quite this level of detail he may have, um, which is that the reason why what strikes us as good, what, the reason why um, what we desire strikes us as good is that it answers some internal image that we have um, of of all of the following three things at once, of the infinite, of ourselves, and of God, because we are infinite beings. Infinite here in the sense that whatever I say about myself is in the next moment seen to be untrue or not wholly true. Um, any limit I place on myself is um, uh, in the next moment seen to be um, uh, false. Um uh, we're, we're infinite beings um, that are sort of understanding ourselves as infinite, seeking our seeking what we're self-identifying uh, you know, at, at, at every moment or beat of reality, and that means um, finding finding a self configuration that you take yourself to be. Uh, and configuring yourself as that and 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 um the self god thing is is like um everything that you experience ex is experienced within your consciousness so self is here meant not only not merely in the sense of the surface self that's that's uh, delineated um off from other objects in space but i mean uh, self in the sort of grand sense um that embraces the totality of your conscious experiences. And in that latter sense, even one's experience of God um, uh, is an experience of oneself in, in that, in that very widest sense, which is admittedly so wide as to empty the word self of meaning um, because it no longer then has a complement, which is appropriate because it, it, again, it's saying that you're no longer talking about the self, you're talking about God, but there's a way in which, since everything that is in ultimate reality is ultimate reality, everything that is in God is God, everything partakes of its idempotence, um, which means that every identity within ultimate reality is sort of sufficient unto itself. It begins with itself, it ends with itself. For every identity in, in, in God or ultimate reality, something like solipsism is the case. Um, 
it's the case for each identity that that it's like it's as if that identity is all that exists um, as far as it itself is concerned so um you know so this so it's about the image we're seeking the image in every um in every desideratum every goal every good thing um every end and what is the image the image is an image of the infinite um of the self slash god of god slash the self um it um it is an integration of differentiated parts which in virtue of bringing different things together is able to overcome some limits so let me talk a little bit about how whatever is an integration of differentiated parts is an image of the infinite because um integration uh is you know it's integration of differentiation right and then differentiation is always nestled within deeper integration which is always integration of uh, deeper differentiation, which is always nestled within yet deeper integration, etc. And and so in this way, it's an image of the infinite. It has that fra it has that infinite fractality. Um, now, what does it mean that in virtue of be in virtue of uh, bringing together differentiated parts, it is able to overcome some limit? So <clears throat> let's consider like the human body. Um, it has differentiated body parts. The knee doesn't do the same thing as the foot. Um, uh, but because they're both integrated together, you know, under the, under the hips, which in turn is integrated, you know, in, in, um, in, you know, in, in the, in the whole body and, you know, it, all the nerves are integrated in the nervous system. The human body is able to walk, which overcomes the limit normally associated with physical objects, which is sta being stationary or being subject to other forces in terms of movement. And um, uh, if you're deprived of movement, the ability to move will seem to you a good thing. Um, and, and so, you know, what, what we desire is either sort of, um, it's either, it either itself overcomes some limit, like let's say like a flawless art object. It overcomes the limit of that normally, you know, something has a flaw or an irregularity. Um, and sometimes more complicatedly, a thing is beautiful because it has an irregularity as though flawlessness were then a limit to be transcended. That's how it gets a little Hegelian and torturous. But, um, uh, you know, either it's, 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 it kind of, it overcomes a limit it's transcendent in and of itself, or um, when added to oneself, it allows oneself to overcome some limit. So the thing is, this is where we get into that distinction that you were talking about, where it's not only what you desire, but it's not, when it comes to desire, there's what you desire, but then there's also what you desire it as. So, when uh, someone looks at um, a, oh, like one of those like little flags, those little like plasticky flags with a, with a thin metal wire that, that construction workers put in the ground, you know, they just see a piece of junk, but MacGyver looks at it and he sees like some kind of incredible lockpick, um, doohickey, thigamajig that, you know, it's so useful to him. So he sees it as very valuable and desirable. 
because um, uh, because because of all the limits that it can be used to overcome, and to, in that sense, it's in the image. It's in the image of God. It images God, just like a beautiful thing or a beautiful person images God in all the various ways that that they do. Um, and um, so, so the the question is, you know, when you desire something evil, do you desire it as evil? It, in other words, like when the Columbine shooters thought of shooting up that school, like they, it, that, that thought was experienced as evil and loathsome and repellent to them? No, of course not. It was, it was experienced as good. You know, I think the, the psychology of mass shooters is something like, um, uh, it's narcissism because society is indifferent to them and, uh, to them, that indifference is intoler intolerable because, in a way, it is society's indifference of the of the the misfit, you know, narcissist, antisocial person um, is is a, is is a way of saying that society sees no value in that person, and so the 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 misfit person um, attempts to assert the value of his person. Um, uh, through violence and the logic there is something like the person's value is 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 in proportion to the level of violence inflicted and um, anyway so the thing is that all else equal to to demonstrate the value of oneself or assert the value of oneself in an uncaring world all else equal that is good uh, of course all else is not equal here it's not actually good to do that if it means you know ruining the lives of countless people but um it, it it is well i mean it, you know this 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 might get a little far afield but um i'm trying to or maybe i need to break this into parts hold on so the upshot of all this for universalism um is it a choice between god and not god i mean kind of but i mean De re, yes, it is. In other words, the sinner, whether he realizes it or not, um, is is choosing not God in, in preference to God. But de dicto, um, like in terms of the intention rather than the extension, to continue to use mysterious philosophical jargon, um, it, he thinks he's choosing God. Um, everything you choose. Um, you always you always choose what you what you most prefer, um, because if that were not the case, then uh, you know when when people choose their most favorite thing in preference to their second favorite thing, there's no explanation for why they do that. It becomes kind of um, a violation of the principle of sufficient reason. It just becomes like a a, a, a completely. Um, spasmodic um uh you know unaccountable um brute fact kind of thing why why a person chose a and not b but but really you know we we must assume axiomatically that a person always chooses what they what they most um what they value most <clears throat> so um so it is god uh choosing between god and not god but it's not really so simple um everyone is always choosing their highest conception of God. And then the question becomes, if what you have chosen as your God is not in fact God, 
um, can it masquerade as God forever? Because if it could, then from your point of view, it really is God and there is no other. And that makes the, the axiological supremacy of God something no longer transcendent or objective. Indeed, it no longer bears, God no longer bears description as the greatest good. Nothing does because the whole thing is, is, you know, is, is postmodern through and through. And it's, and it's, um, perspectival in a way where um, it depends entirely, you know, values entirely in the eye of the beholder. So if you think Pepsi-Cola is the best thing for whatever reason, then it can be the best thing for you um, uh, all through eternity. Or maybe God annihilates you, but had he not done so, it would have been your greatest good um, all through eternity, which, of course, the idea is ridiculous. And, and we recognize that, that what's evil is evil, um, not just because God punishes us for, for wanting it or having it, um, but otherwise it would be great fun. Um, but rather because it, it's evil because it's bad for us. We're in God's image, um, which is love. And so anything that is not love, um, is not going to, is, is not going to satisfy us because we always seek our true identity, um, in some sense with every act of every act of choosing, every, every movement of, of, of the mind or will or body. Um, so, you know, another way to put it would be to say that if um, an illusion can last forever, how could it ultimately be distinguished from the truth? Um, anything that is not God will be revealed not to be God. Otherwise, God isn't God. Um, otherwise he doesn't, he's not, he's not the greatest good in some transcendent or objective, um, sense. Um, and, um, conversely, because we're always seeking God truly, even if we think we're, you know, we have some propositional version of God and like, oh, I'm a Satanist. So I'm seeking not that you're, it's because your propositional version of God, you know, it, it's, it's not really reflecting God. If it did, you would. You know what I mean? That's you, you can't you can't both know God for who He is and choose something other than God, um, and um, so since you're always in fact seeking God, that means that once you discover your error, you're going to move um, farther up and farther in in terms of your next choice. It's inevitably going to go up, and there is a way in which. Um, to use a sort of gravitational metaphor. Um, every, every movement of the will, um, describes an arc, um, as far as it may, uh, seem to, uh, move away <coughs> from, from God. It, it must, it must always uh, follow, um, a backward bending trajectory and, and, and go back toward God. Um, when you, when you sort of take, take, take the derivative of that, um, a parabola or whatever it's always straight up it's always toward god um uh cuz cuz the, the will is made to seek god it's it's in god's image and i'm pretty sure david bentley hart has said all that too but i mean that's that's where it comes down to that's that's where the issue resolves and in, in, in a way that i think is is quite determinate um the question becomes, you know, either God does not desire the salvation of all, which is unbiblical, but but on a deeper level, any God that was less than perfect love does not measure up to our internal standard of God. 
And, and, and it's like when we feel dissatisfied with that lacking conception of God, it means implicitly we're judging it against a, a truer standard or ideal, which, which would be, you know, by definition, the real God. God can't be less loving than you might imagine. He can't be less loving than you, just any more than he can be um, less powerful than you um, or less real than you. Um, you know, God is the great is the being than which none greater can be conceived and can be conceived. And I, I know this, we do all recognize love as a perfection. And we don't all believe in God in our heart the way that like, uh, presuppositional apologists think we do where it's like, oh, they really secretly know God exists, and they're, and they're gonna get punished in hell, but they just choose wickedness because they're reprobated. It's not like that. But what you, the way you do know God in your heart is that you always know that the most selfless love of which you're capable is what you should do, is the highest good. But we're very, very, we're, we're definitely capable of, of, of hiding that fact from ourselves beneath many layers of, of psychological deception and disintegration. And I know that from personal experience where I knew one thing in my heart, I would have told you something else. And, and I went and I had an experience that, that showed me the, the, you know, who I, what I really desired, um, which, which was, you know, you might say it, it had been my true identity all along. Um, Jesus did not so much give me a new heart as revealed to me the heart I always had. Um, and, um, anyway, so I have gotten a little bit off topic here. I'm going to try to bring it back. So anyway, all of that is to say that it's either that God does not uh, desire the salvation of all, which would mean that he doesn't love all. You know, Andrew Hronich is really good on this because some Calvinists try to say that, well, God God loves uh, everyone, but, you know, that just means that he allows the rain to fall on their crops. And it's ultimately so that, you know, he can be glorified in their damnation, but shh, don't say the quiet part out loud. And then Andrew Hronich is like, can we say Mangala loved um, the victims of his experiments? Why, why not? After all, he gave them food and water yeah so we could experiment on them let's not let's not let's not blaspheme god by so torturing the definition of love as to encompass that um so you know um god 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 is god is love for real and and that means he does desire the salvation of all so we can't say that he doesn't so the only other option is that somehow it's within the power of a created being of a being who's in god's image and who you know by his by his ontological nature can only desire god as the utmost end of all of his you know purposive striving to kind of really strongly echo david bentley hart again um the question is whether a finite creature can make a free fully informed final choice to be forever separated from god who is the good as such apart from whom there is no goodness and like when you when you see it like that the the question is completely ridiculous and then that's where the issue it, it it does become to me resolved quite quite determinately um so uh yeah